Hello and welcome back to the Fall of the Roman Empire. My name is Nick Holmes and this is episode 12 called Climate Change. Now, climate change is not just a very topical subject today, but it was also extremely important to the Romans. Now, that may surprise you because you probably haven't heard too much talk about it in a Roman context, but I think that's all beginning to change because historians are becoming much more aware of how important climate change was to human history. And that's hardly surprising when you think that only about 12,000 years ago, most of Northern Europe and America was covered by by huge glaciers. I think one of the problems with climatology is that it's still a developing science. And quite frankly, there's still a lot of unknowns about why even the last ice age came to an end when it did. But with the Roman Empire, it may surprise you to hear that there's always been awareness of something called the Late Antique Little Ice Age, which occurred between about AD 450 to 700, because there's always been a lot of surviving literary evidence for this. Climatologists think that this period of cooling happened because of increased volcanic activity, which spews out dust and gases that reflect back the sun's rays. And so the late antique Little Ice Age has been recognised by historians for a long time as a major factor in the decline of the Eastern Roman Empire, certainly in the late 6th and 7th centuries. Of course, that's a very long way ahead from where we are at the moment in this podcast. So what we'll look at in this episode is how climate affected both Rome's rise to power and also the crisis that it ran into in the third century, which is where we are in this podcast. And I think you'll find it absolutely fascinating what the latest thinking is about how important climate change was to Rome's history. Indeed, perhaps it's a good moment just to pause and recap on where we are in this podcast with the whole story of the fall of the Roman Empire, because the the good news, I hope, is that we still have a very long way to go. And I'll just quickly explain what I mean by this, which is that I think there were four stages to the fall of the Roman Empire. The first was the crisis of the third century, which we're covering now, and you'll hear how that led to a revolution in just about every aspect of Roman life, from government to the army to, of course, religion with the adoption of Christianity by the Emperor Constantine. Then the second phase was the fall of the Western Roman Empire, with Rome itself being sacked in AD 410, and the last emperor of the Western Empire being deposed in AD 476. Then, as I see it, there was a third phase, which was the reconquest of Italy and North Africa by the Emperor Justinian and the Eastern Roman Empire in the 6th century. Then the final fourth phase was the rise of Islam and the destruction of most of the Eastern Roman Empire in the 7th century, leaving Constantinople as the last bastion of the Roman Empire, which, of course, we call the Byzantine Empire. Now, I'm intending to cover all of these four phases in this podcast, so we've got a very long way to go, which I hope should be very exciting. And I just mentioned that I'll also be publishing a book on this first phase that we're on right now in the next few months. It'll be called The Roman Revolution, and it's about the third century crisis and the reinvention of the Roman Empire under the emperors Aurelian, Diocletian, and Constantine, which we'll be getting 
getting on to pretty soon in this podcast, so I'll certainly keep you updated on that. Now, let's get back to climate change, and this is my own research and writing into this area, but a very good book I recommend if you want to go deeper is called The Fate of Rome by an American historian called Kyle Harper. So let's get on with this fascinating subject. Hope you enjoy it. In AD 244, in Roman Egypt, an environmental disaster struck. That year, for the first time in centuries, the Nile failed to flood. In 245 or 246, it's uncertain which, the flood was yet again weak. This was a major challenge for the Romans since Egypt was the breadbasket of the city of Rome, with ships regularly carrying Egyptian grain to feed and appease the thronging mobs of the Roman poor. In AD 248, records again indicate that the Nile was below its normal flood capacity. In 246, the Roman authorities had been so alarmed that they were willing to pay twice the normal cost of grain just to keep the city of Rome fed. Compulsory purchases were made with Egyptians desperately trying to keep the precious grain to feed themselves. The failure of the Egyptian grain delivery was a particular a shock and puzzle to the Romans because the fertility of the land around the Nile was believed to be guaranteed by the regularity of its annual flooding. Indeed, for centuries, the Nile had never failed to flood. This was because the Nile was, and still is, unique in having an unusually reliable source of water from its two tributaries, the White and Blue Niles. The White Nile receives water from equatorial Africa, which contributes about 90% of its floodwaters, mainly sourced from monsoons in East Africa. Meanwhile, the Blue Nile adds a useful top-up from the water runoff in Ethiopia, which joins the White Nile at Khartoum. The two sources provide helpful diversification in the event that either of them is depleted at any one time. Nevertheless, modern research suggests that the River's floodwaters were becoming more erratic and less dependable even in the 2nd century AD. Analysis of papyri data containing observations about Nile flooding suggests that between Augustus's accession in 27 BC until AD 155, the Nile flooded regularly and plentifully, providing excellent harvests. However, a second phase, starting in AD 156 and lasting until the end of the 3rd century, seems to have contained a much higher proportion of weak floods. The problem of drought in Egypt was not isolated and it was compounded by evidence suggesting that the whole of North Africa seems to have been increasingly vulnerable to drought in the mid-3rd century. Cyprian, the Bishop of Carthage, best known for his records of the plague that carries his name, recorded drought in Carthage in the 230s to 240s. Jewish records tell of drought in Galilee and Judea at around the same time. So, what was happening to the Mediterranean's climate? The answer is that there seems to have been a reversal of the benign 
climatic conditions which benefited Rome during its rise to power and for most of the period of the Pax Romana. Climatologists are now in broad agreement that there was such a period of warm, wet and stable climatic conditions that lasted from about 200 BC to AD 150. This is now called the Roman Climate Optimum or Roman Warm Period, and it provided an almost perfect backdrop to the period of Rome's march to glory. But before we consider the changes to the Roman climate optimum, let's take a step back and consider the wider history of how climate has affected human history. Historically, Earth's climate has been extremely volatile. Over the last two to three million years, the planet has shifted between glacial and interglacial periods. These shifts seem to have taken place between about every 40,000 to 100,000 years. The last glacial phase, or ice age, when most of northern Europe and America were covered with sheets of ice, ended about 10,000 years ago and was followed by our current interglacial period called the Holocene. After the melting of the ice sheets, the climate became warmer and wetter. A period called the Middle Holocene, which lasted for about 4,000 years between 6,250 BC to 2,250, favoured human activity. The Sahara was apparently green, and the Mediterranean was far more fertile than it is today. Human expansion across the Mediterranean accelerated, but from about 2,250 BC, the late Holocene period has seen a less favourable climate for humanity. There has been a southwards drift of what is called the intertropical convergence zone, where the easterly trade winds converge around the equator. The Sahara became a desert. Rainfall diminished. Summers in the northern hemisphere became cooler. In the Mediterranean, summers became hotter and drier. The climate became gradually more challenging for humans. But the late Holocene period has also seen volatility. Climatologists are now fairly united in believing that there were a few hundred years when the climate reverted back to its earlier Holocene phase of warmer and wetter weather, now called the Roman climate optimum. Why was the climate more favourable in this time? One theory is that aside from Mount Vesuvius's eruption in AD 79, which famously destroyed the Roman towns of Pompeii and Herculaneum, there was in fact a very low level of volcanic activity. For example, climatologists have estimated that none of the 20 largest volcanic eruptions in the last 2,500 years occurred in the 400 years of the Roman climate optimum. So, Vesuvius's eruption was large, but not that large. Another reason is possibly that the sun was also reasonably stable. Solar variability is seen together with a volcanic activity as the most powerful influence on the Earth's climate. Climatologists increasingly believe that the Earth's temperature is influenced by solar cycles. For example, the existence of an 11-year sunspot cycle, which influences our climate on a short-term basis, is now pretty well understood on a much longer term and more dramatic but also less certain level 
is the so-called Hallstatt cycle, which is postulated to occur over some 2,300 years and to influence the Earth's temperature. The Roman climate optimum was a period of warmth that fell between two cold periods, known as the Greek Dark Age, which lasted from roughly 1100 BC to 800 BC, and the Little Ice Age, which ran from AD 1300 to 1850. Supporting the hypothesis of the existence of the Roman climate optimum, there is abundant historical evidence that the climate was indeed more favourable in the Mediterranean basin during the Middle Roman period than it is today. Most striking is the exceptional fertility of North Africa in the Roman period. It's well known that Egypt and modern Tunisia, which was of course Roman Carthage, were called by the Romans the Granary of Rome. Today, both countries are grain importers. Yet during the Roman climate optimum from Morocco to Egypt, there was a line of coastal cities that produced huge quantities of corn, wine, fruit, as well as breeding horses. Wild animals also live much closer to the Mediterranean than they do today, providing an abundant source of exotic animals to be massacred in the Roman amphitheatres. For example, Pliny the Elder said that elephants roamed in the Atlas Mountains. Today, they are long gone. Aside from the agricultural prosperity of North Africa, the Romans have left copious records of Tiber floods that have long since disappeared. Italy seems to have had far more rainfall than it does today. Pliny the Younger and Ovid both recorded frequent Tiber floods in summer. Pliny even described Roman furniture floating down the streets in floods during Trajan's reign. By contrast, in the Middle Ages, the Tiber never seems to have flooded. Another example is agricultural production. Pliny the Elder said that not only was Italian wheat excellent, but that it was grown in the mountains, suggesting warmer but also wetter conditions than today. In Greece, heavy olive crushing installations have been discovered high above the modern levels of olive cultivation, again suggesting that Greece was far wetter and more fertile than it is today. So, there is plentiful literary and archaeological evidence to suggest that the Mediterranean enjoyed a more favourable climate for agriculture in the period of the Roman climate optimum than it does today. Quite how much of an impetus this was to Rome's path to glory remains uncertain, but presumably it helped more than hindered. However, just as Rome's luck with its external enemies changed in the 3rd century, so too its luck with the climate also seems to have run out. For at least one historian has recently argued that the Roman climate optimum started to wane in the late 2nd and 3rd centuries. There is evidence that both rainfall and temperatures reduced between AD 150 and AD 450 in a period that this historian has called the Late Roman Transitional Period. The main evidence for this lies with increased drought and crop failures, especially in Egypt and 
and especially in the 240s, as described at the beginning of this episode. This occurred at exactly the same time that Rome's enemies, the Persians, Goths and Germans, which we've heard about in earlier episodes, were mounting the most serious invasions of the Roman Empire since the Carthaginian general Hannibal had invaded Italy just over 450 years earlier. The failure of the Nile flood in AD 244, described at the beginning of this episode, is the best example of this. But the evidence goes beyond it, not just for the 3rd century, but for the next 200 years. For as the Roman climate optimum ended, it was eventually replaced by the late antique Little Ice Age, which is a widely recognised period of cooling that lasted from around AD 450 to AD 700, as mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, and which climatologists have shown was almost certainly caused by increased volcanic activity. But returning to the third century, in conclusion, we can say that the evidence is growing, that climate change was more of a problem for the Romans even at that time than has previously been thought by historians. And of course, the subject of climate change is particularly relevant to us today, for although the Romans cannot be blamed for causing climate change themselves, except perhaps to a modest extent due to the extensive deforestation that took place throughout the empire, there is no doubt that today climate change is not only accelerating rapidly due to human activity, but in my opinion, it also poses one of the greatest threats ever to humanity. Perhaps as we learn more about climate change in the Roman Empire, we will understand better our own situation. And that ends this episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. And as usual, if you did, I'd be really grateful if you wanted to subscribe, tell a friend or best of all, to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use or a rating on Spotify. That would be fantastic. Thank you very much. And in the next episode, we'll continue with the story of the Roman crisis of the third century. Thanks for listening and see you next time. 